Welcome to episode 17 of Now We're Talking. I'm Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and this is a podcast about communication skills. So I took a bit of a hiatus from making these episodes uh, Christmas time, and uh, we got a new president in the United States, so he won an election and delivered a egregiously awful uh, inaugural address. And so uh, those issues have kept me away a little bit. I'm trying, trying to do my own writing um, but I'm back to making some episodes. We're going to um, make an episode a week for the next bunch of weeks. There's lots of ground to cover. I want to get to an explanation of why Hillary Clinton lost that election. Uh, I'd like to take an episode to talk about Donald Trump's inaugural address and all of the problems with it. Um, but for today, I promised we would follow up on our last episode, which was about the comma. And we have been talking about English sentences and how English sentences are sentences a kind of structure of logical relationships. And we were talking about how to use a comma appropriately. And I said that in this episode, we would follow up by talking about the other marks of the English language, that is the other kind of grammatical signs that are not words or letters, and how they function properly also. So this might be a short episode. Uh, hopefully, I'll go through this rather quickly. But uh, it's all you need to know about how to use things that are not all the other things besides commas, so colons, apostrophes, uh, dashes, hyphens, brackets, etc., um, so that you can use them properly. And we've talked in previous episodes about the importance of clarity and precision in writing. Um, knowing what the function of these marks is will help you be clear in your writing. So uh, let's just go through the marks and... Uh, we'll do exactly the same thing we did with the comma, but hopefully a little bit more quickly with a little le but less anecdotal evidence. Uh, so the first mark of the English language that I think we need to mention is the apostrophe. So the apostrophe is the little thing that hangs in the air. Um, and, you know, I should say that I, I started developing this list and this kind of um, instructions for how to use these things properly because I've taught many, many, many students uh, for whom English is not either their only language or not their first language. And in other languages, there are lots of other marks. My children go to school in French, so they have all these other marks in French, accent aigu, etc., that do different kinds of work. So um, it, began, it got me thinking about the marks in English and whether or not my students who are native English speakers actually know what those marks do. Anyway, that, that's kind of what led me here. So apostrophe. Apostrophes have three functions. Either they um, serve as to indicate contraction or um, indicates, sorry, they're contractions. They work in contractions to indicate the omission of one or more letters. And you should know that formal writing tends to avoid contractions. So uh, a contraction is don't, D-O-N apostrophe T. We've left out the O between N and T. That's usually saved for informal writing, and formal writing you usually write out do not, etc. But anyway, apostrophe in contractions indicates the omission of one or more letters. Two, apostrophes followed by an S indicates possession, so Sonny's um, pawn shop, S-O-N-Y apostrophe S, um, indicates possession. And third, an apostrophe used alone shows possession involving a subject represented by a plural noun ending in S, a plural noun. 
the Steelers' apostrophe plan seemed workable. That's the one I see most students get wrong. They just leave out the apostrophe. If there's a plural noun before the thing that that noun is supposed to show possession of, they leave, just leave it out, which is wrong. So an apostrophe shows possession, either if it's followed by an S or if it's on its own after the end of a plural noun. That's what an apostrophe does. That's it. Um, okay, colons. Lots of students get colons wrong. Uh, a colon serves one of three potential functions. Um, the colon appears after an assertion that's followed by an explanation, an example, or a quotation. In other words, a colon tells the reader that what follows clarifies the thing that came before. So here's one example. Um, uh, let's see, snowflakes are very small, colon. In fact, one snowflake can fit through the eye of a needle. So the thing that comes after the colon is an explanation of how small the snowflake is. Um, then you can also use a quotation. My boss wanted to get everything done right away, colon. Hurry up, in quotation marks, he said. So the quotation comes after. So okay, colon, you use it to show that the thing that comes after is an explanation, an example, or a quotation that supports the, the preceding assertion. Two colons separate hours from minutes in the time of day in English. That's not true in all languages, by the way. So it's 11 colon 30, or right now it's 8 colon 59. Um, and third, the colon appears after the salutation in a formal letter. Um, in a business letter, we usually use, uh, sorry, in a personal letter, we usually use commas appear that appear after the salutation, but in a more formal letter, so dear Mr. So-and-so, uh, dear Sarah, colon, um, the colon is used there. So that's it, three functions for a colon. Um, okay, the dash, the dash is quickly disappearing um, from, from English, and it's disappearing because Microsoft Word won't let you do a double dash effectively very much anymore. It's even confusing to me how Microsoft Word works sometimes, but the double dash used to be a uh, very important kind of part of writing in English. And these days, if you do the double dash in Microsoft Word, I think it connects them and makes them one longer dash. But anyway, the dash serves two functions. It emphasizes a word or a phrase, which may be an example or a digression. Um, so, you know, it, the thing, it, you set off a phrase in a sentence in between dashes to say that this might seem less important, but actually I want to highlight it or emphasize it. So, uh, a strict definition of facts hyphen as any normal rational person will tell you hyphen has eluded Donald Trump, something like that. Uh, I'm trying to tell you that the thing in between the hyphens is really, really important. It's something I want you to pay attention to. And if you think about the, the dashes visually, that's what they're doing. They're almost pointing to the thing in between them as the thing that's important. A double dash uh, or just a longer dash in the case of if you're using Microsoft Word, a, a dash also sets off a list of examples. So the project, um, the project I'm working on involves a number of different departments dash dash, English, communication, psychology, sociology, and political science.
So the dash sets off a list of examples of the number of departments that are being that, that um, the project I'm working on is connected to. Um, okay, next mark is the ellipsis. An ellipsis is three periods, and it's usually done in in like um, space period, space period, space period, space. Um, ellipses indicates that a part of a quotation has been omitted. Um, the omission is not supposed to change the sense of the x of the, the quotation, it, but it's the part of the passage following the ellipsis. Um, oh, sorry. So anyway, the the it's it's just to indicate some relatively unimportant words have been left out so that the more important words um, can be highlighted. Um, I'm not even going to use an example of that. It would be a long quotation mark. The ellipsis would appear in the middle. Some words would be omitted from that thing. Um, I have students use ellipses in all sorts of weird places. They'll start a paragraph with an ellipsis, and I have no idea what that, that's supposed to mean. It's only for the omission of words inside of a quotation. Um, hyphen. Hyphens are different than dashes. Uh, hyphens in English perform different functions. A hyphen can indicate a break in a word placed at the end of a line of text, which used to be the old school way of word processing. We basically never, ever do that anymore, but uh, in olden times, by which I mean like 25 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, that's what a hyphen would do. Uh, anyway, the, the regular uses of hyphen are also that it's used in fractions and ratios when those fractions or ratios work as adjectives. So three-fourths of my paper is complete. It's three hyphen-fourths. Uh, it's also used in compound numbers, so 20 hyphen one or 90 hyphen nine. And it's using compound adjectives, so three dimensionals, three hyphen dimensional, um, 20 foot is 20 hyphen foot, uh, to a 20 foot ladder, three dimensional graph. Uh, so the hyphen is, uh, and again, visually think about it, it's showing the connection between the thing, the word that comes before, the word that comes after, showing us that they are connected, um, they're compound adjectives, they're compound numbers, or they're fractions that are un to be understood as uh, as one whole instead of two different parts. And we do that when we, we just, in English, we don't write the whole thing together because the word would look silly. So the hyphen, though, uh, does the work of showing there's a connective tissue there. Um, okay, now the three simplest, um, the three simplest marks of the English language are the period, the question mark, and the exclamation point. Um, the period, question mark, and excla exclamation point, excuse me, um, all signal the end of an independent clause. And an independent clause is a phrase that expresses a complete thought as a predicate and a subject. So we talked about English being a, a subject verb, um, a subject verb language. So a period, a question mark, or an exclamation point indicates that a subject and a predicate were used in the preceding thing. Uh, periods are also used after abbreviations, but that's a lesser concern. So we use a period when it's just a regular old complete sentence or a complete clause with subject and predicate. We use a question mark when the subject and the predicate are used to form a question instead of a statement. And we use an exclamation point when we want to add emphasis to the subject and predicate that came in the sentence before. Um, anyway, I, I see so many papers that have periods in them that were the thing like with the period that comes at the end of a clause and the clause doesn't have a subject and a predicate uh, 
It may have a predicate with no subject. It may have a subject with no predicate. It may just be a prepositional phrase, but it doesn't have any uh, subject and it doesn't have any clear subject predicate relationship at its core. When I see that, the period has been used incorrectly. Um, so period, um, question, and exclamation point all function like that. Quotation marks. Uh, quotation marks indicate a title of an essay, short story, or poem. They enclose direct quotations. And then sometimes we can use single quotation marks, sometimes called inverted commas. And a single quotation mark is used to indicate a quotation within a quotation. Um, they also, quotation marks also enclose the title of an article, um, a, a book chapter, or a shorter piece of a longer work, essentially. A shorter piece of a longer work. Um, I think that, that's it for the quotation marks. And then finally, the last two are the semicolon and then parentheses or brackets. So semicolons... Um, a semicolon is probably after the comma, the second most misused mark of the English language, as far as I can tell after reading student writing. A semicolon works, performs the same function as a period, but it shows a connection where a period does not necessarily show a connection. So a semicolon separates two, in, two complete independent clauses. A period between the clauses implies that the content of each of the independent clauses um, is independent of one another. A semicolon implies that there is a significant relationship between the content of each of the clauses. In many cases, it implies that the second clause clarifies or expands upon the content of the first clause. So essentially you write a sentence, semicolon, and then you write a second sentence. And the reason you put a semicolon instead of a period is you're trying to imply that the thing that came after the semicolon is a complete phrase, it's got a subject and a predicate, but it clarifies or develops or expands the content of the thing that came first. Um, so my aunt died as an, in, as an indirect result of an experiment um, at a hospital, semicolon. She perished um, from severe dehydration while taking dangerous medication. Okay, so in the first part of the, the first complete clause, my aunt died. And in the second complete clause, she died also, but the way she died is expanded or developed in the second. So I can use the semicolon there. That's the main use of the semicolon. So again, it indicates that the thing on each side of it has a complete subject predicate. It's a complete independent clause or a complete phrase. Um, but th those two complete phrases are connected. There's a second... Uh, function of the semicolon, and that second function of the semicolon is that it separates phrases in a list when those phrases contain commas. So if you want to make a list of things, and the list has commas in it itself, then you need to separate the major parts of the list with semicolons. Um, so, you know, in, in the 1920s, um, several major works of American political theory were published, hyphen, hyphen, the Public and Its Problems, comma, by John Dewey, semicolon. Public Opinion, comma, by Walter Lippmann, semicolon. Uh, and, I don't know, some third book, blah, 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 comma, by so-and-so. Uh, the semicolons have to be, two semicolons have to be used to separate the main parts of the clauses 
because there are commas being used inside the clauses to, in, to, to break parts of the clauses down. So semicolons separate phrases in a list when those phrases contain commas. That's it. That's what a semicolon does. Um, and then finally, there are parentheses and brackets. You should think about the parentheses or the brackets as the opposite of the double dash. A parentheses indicates the words within them are less important than the surrounding text. The reader could overlook those words and still receive the same information from the author. So unlike the double dash, the parentheses is suggesting that the thing you, is the thing inside of it is what you don't want to be highlighted. Um, that's a, a, a very important distinction. I have some students who use uh, parentheses and I, I ask them, well, why did you put parentheses here? And they, they say, well, you know, I wanted you to know that that was like the most important part of the passage. And I tell them, you know, visually look at what's happening. The thing you're bracketing off, you're literally bracketing it off. So you're, you're suggesting that it's not essential to the core meaning of the sentence. So brackets do that work, but sometimes you want to add a digression or additional facts or additional information. So you put that in parentheses. So that, okay, that was really, really simple. Those were the simple marks of the English language. Um, they are not complicated. All those marks perform a function. Anybody, any students, uh, any writer, anyone, anywhere should be able to look at a piece of their own writing and find one of the marks, find a period, find an apostrophe, find a comma, find a semicolon, find an exclamation point, uh, find parentheses, find dashes. And then you should now be able to ask yourself, okay, what function does that thing, that mark perform in this sentence? And we know now what all the functions are for the grammatical marks. So if you see a comma, and you can ask yourself, what function is that comma serving? And you can't answer it if you don't know the function or if you say something like, well, it's causing me to pause in reading the sentence. It's, it's wrong. Um, if you see an apostrophe and you ask yourself, what function does it perform? Oh, it performs the function of showing that the, there's possession between the noun and the thing that comes after the noun. Okay, now you've, you've, you're grammatically correct. So as long as you understand and can identify the function being served by the mark, then you're going to be writing in, in clear and grammatically correct ways. Okay, so um, those are the basics of um, punctuation and grammatical marks, etc. Uh, I want to kind of leave the grammar train for a bit, and in the next uh, episode or two, I want to talk about how to make your writing more beautiful. Uh, we're going to spend a whole episode uh, next time on parallel structure. Um, parallel structure is probably the most important kind of beautiful technique of, of writing that we've got and the easiest to master initially. So we'll move on to parallel structure then. Uh, in the meantime, I hope everybody has a great week and I'm happy to be back making these. So hopefully you're happy to be listening. Thanks everyone. Bye.